Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. And good evening, I'm William Hosea, world-renowned performer and Vogue pioneer Cesar Valentino is a sought-after educator in the fundamentals of Vogue, runway, etiquette, heels, Afro-Caribbean, salsa, merengue, and street jazz dance styles. His powerful yet delicate Vogue skill has also been seen on Good Day New York, True TV with Seth Rogen, and the Simply Be commercial campaign in the UK, as well as the Netflix, Netflix rather, original series, The Get Down, and the upcoming film, Live in Manila, shot on location in the Philippines. To discuss his artistic talents and upcoming visit to Indiana University, Cesar Valentino joins us tonight with additional guests, Kim Morris Newson, Associate Director for the IU Office of Community and School Partnerships, and Nicole Brown, Monroe County Clerk. Mr. Valentino, Ms. Newson, and Ms. Brown, everyone, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. We're so, so honored to have all of you here and I, I went to your website, uh, and uh, you are so connected with Alvin Ailing. We're going to talk about that at length. But now, am I correct that you introduced, you were a pioneer, so you conceived this dance style called Vogue. And can you give us the origins? Because uh, I mistakenly thought before we went on air, and I was quickly corrected by your two friends, Nicole and Kim, that Madonna had influenced you on the creation of this dance, and they quickly shot me down, which hey, is so disrespectful. Hey, Caesar, he was violently corrected. I was violent. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was muted. <laughs> so, if you can share with us the origins and history, um, I'm not the original. I'm not the founder. I'm not the creator of Vogue dancing. However, um, to give you a little bit of background about where Voguing was created, it was created in the 1970s. The person who actually structured the dance and gave it a name was Paris Dupree. She is the person from which um, the, the documentary Paris is Burning is based off of. Um, female impersonator, drag queen, one of the original ladies of Harlem and of the Brooklyn ladies of the trans movement and drag queen movement shows back in the 1960s. So 1978 was when Voguing was created. Um, the reason they say that I'm a pioneer is because I'm one of the first people to not only bring it to television, but mainstream and around yeah. the world in the 1980s, before Madonna. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, was this more, uh, a, more of a walkway performance or a club performance? Voguing is a dance based on posing. So understand that voguing is a dance that incorporates hieroglyphics, martial arts, tutting, Afro, um, and basically emulating models on the ma in the magazines and on runway on the, in the runway shows. So you put all those mm -hmm. elements together. That's what created Vogue. And the reason martial arts is incorporated, kind of like capoeira. So it's, it's a resistance. It's a dance. It's a competitive dance. Um, 
And again, the influence was there for many years before that from the fashion models, but when it was given an official name was in 1978 and we were instrumental in taking it across the globe when we um, toured with Malcolm McLaren on the Deep in Vogue tour. And that was in 1989. Um, but I had done shows and music videos and TV appearances prior to that. Now, we, we have two um, sort of guest quasi-co-hosts with us, uh, Kim and uh, Nicole. And I'm going to turn this over to them in just a second. But I do know that Kim is, is, is a worldly famous dancer in her own right, uh, having danced with the uh, African-American Dance Company at Indiana University. Uh, you know, she's a legend. So, so Kim, I'm going to turn this over to you. Okay, great. Thank you. And I'm retired from the Office of Community and School Partnerships from IU. Okay, thanks okay. for that correction. So, uh, Cesar, Caesar, see, we met in uh, 2016. He was invited to one of our workshops for the African American Dance Company. And he was just amazing. His style, his grace, you know, we, we just warmed up to him and it was like we had to have him as a part of our company. And then the next year we went to Cuba and Cesar was there teaching. So he traveled with us and he was a teacher. He taught the workshop. He taught us more about it, you know, and, and um, it was just so it's such an honor to be in his presence. You know, it's almost like a blessing because he brings so much. He gives so much, you know, even with, with coming to um, Bloomington. We didn't include the kids. He said, what about the kids? I want to see the kids. I want to talk to the kids because the youth are what's important also, you know, because they're going to have this world when we finish. So we got elementary school involved. We got a middle school involved. We got a high school involved here in Bloomington. He's going to do a workshop at the different schools for like 30 or 45 minutes. He's going to go to IU and he's going to give some classes for just the community. Whoever wants to come, they can come and they can take a class. He's going to give a private class, a master class for the African-American Dance Company, which we are so excited to see him back again because we missed him the last time for workshop. Now he's coming here with his own workshop. And it's like we helping each other build. And so I'm just so happy to see him and, you know, for us to learn about his struggles, because a lot of our kids are going through a lot of things he's been through and they don't have anybody to talk to. And, and you know, nobody to look at because what you don't know, you just don't know. You don't know. You don't have anything to pull from. He will leave them with so much knowledge. Then they have a, they can go do their own research, not telling you what to do, but something to give you some research so you can find out what's going on with you in this life and what's going on here, you know as you as an individual, because people always stereotype certain people, the way you look, the way you dress, the way you act, and that's just got to go, you know, and, and it's falling now with this corona here, this virus, because it's making everybody just stand up and be who they are and see who they are, develop where you are, then you can see people as people, you know, so it's a pleasure, so I won't take the whole stand, and I'll come back well, in again, but well, thank well, with you that, so much for being with here. That warm up, with that warm-up, with that warm-up statement, pose the question. Oh, my question for him? Okay. Where do you see yourself at, at in the next five years? Um, there's a couple of places I'd like to see myself that are bucket list for me for a couple of reasons. Um, when I say bucket list, there's things that I, I want to kind of say I did. I achieved that. I did that. Personal goals. Um, some of those are Dance Leader of Harlem, Joffrey Ballet, Ballet Hispanico, a hit record, 
and a Broadway play. I just finished booking um, an off-Broadway play that I'm doing choreography for. But in terms of five years, I'd like to see myself either owning my own studio or having my own dance company mm. or both in that order. Like, I think it's, it's long overdue that I put a company together, performance group, and if not, at least serve as someone who is an ambassador, mm. an agent, mm. a community activist. Mm. Um, I've always done that, but I think to really, now that I'm in my 50s and getting older, I'm looking to maybe slow down a little bit more with the dancing and do more behind the scenes work and more advocacy work and stuff like that So for five if, years. If somebody said, who is Caesar? What, what would you tell them? Describe who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and not not giving it alone, just you know who you are um, to know Caesar you. Caesar Valentino is a humanitarian uh, friend, um, dancer, colleague, uh, artist, dreamer. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I always have trouble describing myself for some reason. I can tell you my pronouns. Describe mm-hmm. myself. Um, those would kind of. Describe me, humanitarian, friend, um, dreamer, mm-hmm. artist. Mm-hmm. Have you ever um, made a mistake when you're dancing? Like when you get up there and you vote, when you make a mistake, how is that corrected? How is that done? Because a lot of people that I talk say, oh, I can't do that. I may make a mistake. I may do this. So, you know, how did they come into your class? Forget all that. That's not what we're about doing here. And I know that's what you told us. Hey, forget all that right now. You know, I, I think it's important for people to remember that I don't expect perfection. I don't expect people to try to be perfect. I think it's important to embrace your imperfections. It's important to understand that people do make mistakes and you keep it moving as a performer that I've been dancing for over 45 years, my entire life. One of the things that you learn about when you make a mistake, either in a show on stage or otherwise, is you keep going. Mm-hmm. You take a deep breath and you keep mm-hmm. going. And it's, it's much like an, a metaphor for life. You, you know, you okay. dust yourself off and you keep going and you don't um, get defeated by it. It's a, it's a misstep. That's all it is. And you keep it going. I don't recall ever having a show where I made a mistake or something and felt afterwards like, oh, I'm absolutely ruined. I'm devastated. No, it's the, the, to me, I feel that you, you can brush those things off and keep it going. Now, if I made a mistake and walk off the stage, that's devastating. Like you, you basically surrendered, you gave up and it goes back to what you were just saying. One of the things that I taught you guys at the company and at the university was that I'm not interested in perfection. Just Mm -hmm. be yourself and allow yourself to be human and just enjoy the process and allow yourself to be present. That's it. So what can I expect to learn? Say I'm coming to the workshop for the first time. The first tell me about the kids and then tell me about the adults. Are they going to learn the same thing? Are you kind of different with, your, your style with adults and uh, kids? My approach, my approach um, mm-hmm. is the same across the board. I mean, okay. I, as you know, I've even worked with children from six to nine-year-old that are special needs. I think my approach is from, it comes from a place of love and support mm-hmm. and just do the best that you can. Um, I focus a lot on, and my mission statement is empowerment, um, body positivity, inclusion. Um, you know, some children are too young to really know certain language, but we we have gone so far ahead now and we're so advanced in terms of teaching children that those six and nine-year-olds that I was teaching from the Bronx, um, we don't use choreography, for example, that's um, gender specific. We don't use the words masculine or feminine and stuff. So we don't alienate or make people uncomfortable. I mean, we allow children just to be. I think that same language translates to when I teach at, you know, 
studios and when I work with either young adults or adults, it's still the same language. It's just about being present and enjoying the process, essentially. Um, body positivity, posture, self-awareness, empowerment, inclusion, that's my main goal. Okay, These great. Are, uh, I, I have a question for you, but before I do, sure. I want to ask Nicole to get in there. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's all right, Kim. <laughs> Go ahead, Nicole. Well, Miss Kim did take take my question, um, oh. but uh, no, 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 no. But it it actually gives me an opportunity to thank you because I would not know Mr. Valentino were it not for you. Um, really quickly, I was going to New York City in 2019 with a friend of mine, and I have an obsession with all things Alvin Ailey and Judith Jameson. And Kim, or as her students call her, Mama Kim, let me know that she knew I had, I just was going to be excited to walk up to the building and see it in person instead of on the Wikipedia page. And she was instrumental in arranging for me to get to sit in on Mr. Valentino's class. And there is something magnetic mm-hmm. about being in his space. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken just enough Arthur Murray to be dangerous. Um, I was too intimidated to sign up for the class, but he just makes you feel so much a part of it, even if you're just sitting in the chair and watching. Mm-hmm. So then this year with the pandemic hitting and not being able to go on my annual birthday cruise, I actually flew to New York, woke up on my birthday, had lunch with Mr. Valentino, but I also had the privilege of taking his class. And there, there is a, a confidence. I was painfully shy, painfully shy as a kid. Wouldn't have said boo to anybody. Wouldn't have had the confidence to take a class. And he embraces you, makes you feel comfortable where you are. And his instruction is so inclusive, so um, generous for every student. And so Ms. Kim has actually been an honor to uh, work with you to bring him here. Can you believe that's next week? No, next I can't. Week, we what to the time? The time went by so fast. So I guess for you, Mr. Valentino, what I what I would just ask is um, what you most um, admire about your own body of work. What would you say um, that you've gotten from the best work you've done? And what, um, how would you translate that for the people that you're going to meet next week and give them some kind of inspiration? Um, well, this month I just celebrated now, January, I'm celebrating 39 years of Vogue dancing experience. So that's a huge milestone for me right there to begin with. But I've also had the blessing of literally being all over the world. I've traveled everywhere. I've worked in different populations, languages, locations, schools, inexperienced, you know, professional dancers, um, Martha Graham, you know, like really big deal, unprecedented um, situations where I was able to bring this abroad and, and show people, even with the Cuba experience, it was never, it was never done prior to that. And I remember having um, a, pair of stiletto heels in a bag and when it was time to change my shoes I was ready for whatever I was like I'm in the hood in the Caribbean they're going to whip my butt they're not going to be ready for all this and quite the contrary it was 
Yeah. They were very supportive and very respectful. And they were like, you know, we are so honored that you came here and do what you do. And I think when, when you, when you do things from a place of love and, and support of others and building people up, I think it translates well and people really gravitate and they feel at ease and at peace. It's not in your face. I don't come off as, and I try not to ever offend people. This is an art form. It's recognized in big studios around the world. I am the first person to bring it to Alvin Ailey, Martha Graham, and a bunch of other places before it was done. So a lot of that body of work for me, I feel an obligation and a duty to have to pay it forward, which is why I made the recommendations. If you recall, I said, um, I'm really flattered that we're going back to you know Bloomington and I'm going to be working again. I'm grateful. I wouldn't feel right being there unless I can pay it forward and offer my services and be it underserved communities or maybe not necessarily underserved communities, but just be a voice and and an example for these young children that, I mean, I'm in my fifties and I'm still in demand. I'm still dancing. You can have longevity. You can still have have a career. You could still be someone no matter how old, how young, gender size or otherwise. I think that was also huge awareness for myself that, you can be timeless. You can be timeless. You can do this as long as you want. Dancing is something that's universal. It's a language many people understand, but the language that people most understand is love, empathy, support, compassion. Um, And that's really what keeps me working a lot more than a lot of people half my age, because not only are people booking me for the experience, but the way I treat people. People will always, what is, what is it? What is it? I think it was more, I think it was uh, my Angela who said, People forget what you said. People forget what you did. But they'll they'll always remember how you made them feel. And and I try to live by that. And you have said something there when you said you are timeless. Man, that hits you. That hits you. Yeah. Timeless. Well, the voice you just heard was Nicole Brown, who is the Monroe County clerk. You also heard from uh, Kim Morris Newsom, retired and esteemed associate director for the IU Office of Community and School Partnerships, dear friend of mine. And then, of course, our, our special guest for this evening, Cesar Valentino, who's a renowned performer and Vogue pioneer, teacher, and promoter. Um, before I turn it over to William, Nicole, you said something that was interesting. You said um, you didn't want to hurt yourself, or by doing this dance form, could a person possibly hurt themselves? And I was thinking, with dance the way it is, would a senior citizen hurt themselves if they tried to, no. to vote? No. And Kim is shaking her head emphatically. No, no. I'm a senior. I'm a senior you, you are not. You are not a senior. Uh, you stop that. You're 26. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to turn this over to William. Uh, he, he's got a burning question. Hey, I'm, I'm going to uh, just politely go past the praises and accolades because Kim and Nicole heaped enough of that on you. So I'll just get straight to my question. Um, I watched a video, Mm. one of your videos, when you encouraged a group of dancers to find a public spot and perform a routine with no music, no other dancers, just go out there and and start dancing, just start performing. I think I saw one person in the mall, uh, another person appeared to be at uh, maybe a train station, I could be wrong, and then a few other places. And and you stressed to them before they left that people would give them strange looks and stares, among other things, but you urged them not to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I, I swear, personally, I would have to blow so far beyond the legal limit to get out there and do something like that, if you know what I mean. But these people left you and they went out and each one of them found a spot and they started dancing and, and true to your word, people, uh, I didn't see people stopping and clapping, but they did what you said. They were staring and giving them strange looks. You know, they weren't prepared for that. Now, I, I have enough problem just getting people to come to one of my meetings, you know. So how, how do you what do you say to motivate these people to go out there and, and put themselves on display like that? Um, what you were referring to is a show I did called um, Best Walk, and I'm the host of that show. Best Walk, what I loved about it when they first approached me with it is literally that. You show me your best walk. And part of being in that zone is allowing yourself, one, to be vulnerable and allow yourself to just be free. Um, I literally walked through a construction site while men were working in mud, voguing, while the camera was following me spontaneous on on a snap of a dime it, it wasn't even like people thought that this was kind of preset that people were expecting us no we were literally walking into crowds of people and they were not expecting us that surprise element i felt was such an organic experience of new york city of as you notice some people were looking but for the most part people were just really not they were not phased by it because new york is just crazy like that anything happens here and stuff but i think the message like you said was to allow yourself regardless of the distractions or the insecurities to rise to the challenge. And basically the person who did rise to the challenge, it could handle their business and not let those things distract them would go on to the next round and ultimately become the winner. It takes a really thick skin to do that kind of work and to put yourself out there like that. Um, the best advice I have for someone is again, it's, it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, I think for me to be completely transparent, there has to be a sense of vulnerability and honesty and transparency when people see me and meet me and, and, and whatever, but I can perform at the, at the drop of a dime. You say five, six, seven, eight and action. And I'm ready to go just because of my years <laughs> of experience. Not everybody could do that. Yeah. It takes time. But I think when you, when you believe in yourself, when you trust the process, when you let go, when you take deep breaths in between and allow yourself just to be human, yeah. you'll, you'll be fine and people will get it and people will love it as it is. I mean, the show itself w was super successful. It's like on seven, mm -hmm. five or seven different platforms right now. So again, the, the, the idea, the concept of the show I thought was an amazing, which is why I accepted the, the, the job when they offered it to me. I was like, yeah, this, this concept is amazing to just be out in the street. Yeah. yeah. So pandemic, uh, by the way, because that was filmed pre pandemic. So remember yeah. when it aired, we were all wearing masks yeah. and people were sitting at home. So you're watching us in the street, people together and free and, and out and, and it just it, it brought such an incredible vibe to new york and the, and the viewers you know so let me ask you another question do the looks of uh, confusion and bewilderment ever turn to support uh, reactions of support and applause from people from onlookers absolutely um I, I think the initial the initial response is what is going on yeah but we also found yeah. that there were people that were so fully engaged they were like Hey, what are you guys doing? I want, I want in on that. Can I just, where's the party? I don't hear the music. Understand <laughs> that when the people were walking down the street dancing to this music, mm. they're wearing, they're wearing earpiece. They were wearing a, a, an earpiece. So the dancer could hear the music, but okay, there was okay. I, no one else could hear the music. So, mm -hmm. which made it even more dramatic because all you see is someone dancing, you don't hear music mm -hmm. because they had an earphone on. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. Okay. Like one of those little, one of those little ear, ear pods. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, no one knew that they were listening to music. It just looked like they're just dancing. And here comes a camera following them. Like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So much fun. Such mm-hmm. an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this is, um, this is not necessarily similar to a flash mob, but this is something separate. And then my follow up to that, as you, as you respond to that, is uh, are you tapping or channeling rhythm? Or something else. Um, the first question: If it was a flash mob, no. It's um, when we did the actual when we filmed the final. It was it was shot in the middle of Herald Square, and they had four corners to walk and dance and do their thing. And I stood up on the podium, um, and I judged them individually, and then I then I select a winner from the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what I was looking for or what they were looking for, because I was looking for rhythm, I was looking for originality, I was looking for personality, I was looking for technique, I was looking for the the complete package essentially mm-hmm. of someone who not only has dance ability but can connect well who's confident i had people dancing in the middle of the street in the heart of Harold square center across the street from macy's no one expecting it stopping traffic and it was an incredible experience but it was also incredibly liberating for those dancers whether they won or not to have that experience yeah. you know it's, it's very freeing and liberating yeah. for them i felt mm-hmm. Well, I'm following up on something you said, where you said, I'm so into this that someone can say five, six, seven, eight, and I'm into it. So for, to, to get to that point, yeah, that's years of experience, but it's so much a part of you, or, or is there an essence you're extracting, or what are you tapping into when you do this dance move? I, I feel that um, when I speak to my um, ability and like you said, the five, six, seven, eight, that I can do it on the dime. And you, you do, I, I've done this my entire life. I'm a former figure skater. As a kid, I grew up figure skating and I was always involved in school productions. I was always into dancing, acting. So this is something that goes so far back that it's, it's kind of part of me already that I don't really think about it. And I was also involved in the audition scene for many years. Also, remember I, I auditioned for shows, for tours. So one of the things that I teach um, dancers also is I don't technique is amazing without personality. It's nothing. If it's, if it's blank from here up and I, there's no personality, there's no core, there's no essence. It's five, six, seven, eight. Anyone can do five, six, seven, eight. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's, it goes deeper than just learning how to count, learning how to concentrate. It's about really delivering with passion, emotion, raw. Um, and that's, I feel what separates you know, the, the dancer dancers from the, you know, the potential dancers or want to be dancers, you know, that, that's, that's who books the gig. That's who stands out for me. And that's one of the reasons why I was selected to be the host of that show, because I'm super picky. My mother could have competed in a dance show. And if she wasn't bringing it, she wasn't winning either. Can I tell them something? It has to do with muscle memory. He's done it so long. It's in his muscle and his muscle memory, all that he's got to go. You know, his mind is someplace else, but his muscles has taken control because he's he's developed that. That's what a dancer does. Yeah. Muscle memory. Clarence, we gotta yeah. remember that one. I, I gotta remember <laughs> that, but my but my memory may not be <laughs> enough to remember. Keep, keep doing something long enough and you'll you'll there you go. remember it. You know, there you go. remember that. You know. Well, I I wanna segue into and and I wanna get our, our other guests to chime in, but okay, you've done a Netflix original series, you were part of it. The Get Down, and you were part of an upcoming film. As of this broadcast, has that film taken place, which is live in Manila and was shot on location in the Philippines. Now, 
talk about both of those experiences and just just let our guests know, our our audience know what you've been a part of. Of course, um, the movie that was called um, the Get Down the, the Get Down series from um, Netflix was a series that was based around the hip hop movement in the Bronx in the 1970s, whatever. And I was I was part of a scene that they filmed in a gay club in Soho. Um, for which I wore five inch heels, a leather kimono, leggings, makeup like Sylvester. And they had me in basically in half drag for like nine hours in five inch heels. Um, great show. You know, I think they only did one, one, one season and it ended. It was a great show. I was in one of the episodes for that. And then the movie Live in Manila that we shot in the Philippines is no longer called Live in Manila. They, the, the, the name of the movie is called I'm an Electric Lampshade. And it's um, right now in, in film festivals. And um, same thing. For that movie, I wore six-inch heels, eight hours a day, six days straight. Um, I play a character called Sin Andre. Sin Andre is a mentor to the lead actor in the movie. And basically, he comes to the Philippines so I could teach him the tricks of the trade of acting, dancing, performance art, and how to basically succeed in the business of being an artist. So I'm his mentor. And that's the role I play in that movie. Um, and that's in the film festivals now. It'll be released probably for the spring, summer. Um, I've done a bunch of stuff since that. Um, since then, I did the, the Pride campaign with Laverne Cox for, um, for Smirnoff. Pride mm-hmm. campaign for um, the New York City Mayor's Office. And of um, I Won't Be Erased campaign, which is a trans empowerment movement. I did a campaign for that. So I'm trying to lend my image and my service to more um, work with with those kind of organizations that are doing empowerment work and awareness and, and, and visibility for, you know, underserved communities, marginalized communities, whatever and stuff. Um, but the movie, like I said, is called I'm Electric Lampshade and that'll be released soon. So definitely check that out. It's coming out, I'm hoping for spring, summer. Right now it's in film festivals. We, we got great reviews, by the way. So when you come to Indiana University and you're, you'll be doing a master's class along with a workshop with the African-American, Afro-American dance company. What elements do you plan to take them through? Um, I always, um, the setup in the, the curriculum for working with the dance company is always a warm up, which involves coordinates and Martha Graham technique, Martha, um, modern dance technique, across the floor exercises, Afro-Caribbean across the floor exercises. And then of course, some um, choreography and runway of posture, lines agility um it's a lot of fun it's i mean again the 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 elements involved in what i do and what i teach and stuff it's cathartic one thing leads to the other and it makes sense at first it's like why such a long warm-up why the across the floor exercise why do we quote i don't know if you remember can we the last time i was there and i I taught the other workshops also i had one of the drummers join me and 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 do some of the drumming for the the warm-ups in the class as well who accompany it and i'm trying to incorporate more of that more drum because i do african and Afro-Caribbean dance in between as well. So we'll see if we'll make that happen this time as well. Uh, I want to turn it over to our two guests. Kim, you have a burning question. I can see that. <laughs> I was thinking, you said drummers, uh, you know, Andre Rosa is a velvet. He's our drummer. And maybe okay. we can get him to come up and drum and do your class. Be, I know you work amazing. with him. And be maybe, get, you know, do email or something. Y'all could talk beforehand what you expected. La la la. Maybe we can make that happen. Absolutely. There's nothing you know, like 
dance with them drums. Ooh, it just the spirit just takes over then, you know. Well, okay, I wanna I wanna jump in. I wanna jump in with, with a follow-up to my earlier question. With the drum, the syncopated beats and the rhythmic beats, you're you're and you just said the spirit kicks in. Mm-hmm. Are you drawing from some ancestral experience or what are you drawing from? What is is fueling and powering you at that moment? I think it's important to to mention that I I enjoy doing and incorporating the um, Afro-Caribbean dance within my structure of my classes for a couple of reasons. I think it's important to honor the ancestors. I think I stand on the shoulders of my ancestors and I'm able to do what I'm doing now because of not just the ancestors, but my predecessors and the people who came before me who laid the foundation for me to be able to do what I do. Um, but again, like I mentioned before, you know, voguing was a dance of resistance. And I use the word, you know, diaspora. And I say to people, diaspora has different meanings in the context that I use it is displaced. People in ballroom, people of the ballroom community didn't really have somewhere to right. go. We've, we right. made communities. We found spaces to join and come together and celebrate life and music and fashion and all these things together in situations where we knew in the real world, a lot of us would not have been given those same opportunities. So I think it's important to, um, I dance for the ancestors, you know, I can, I can circle around it as a million times and stuff, but I think it's important to honor the ancestors. And, and I think the best way to do that is by playing the drum, even if it's recorded drum, but, but dancing, I think it's important to honor them. Uh, if you've just joined us, the voice you just heard was Caesar Valentino, and he, along with Kim Morris Newsom and Nicole Brown, are with us this evening talking about the elements and the stagecraft surrounding voguing. And with that, I want to turn it over to Nicole. Uh, do you have a question for our guest? Um, you know, I, I think, Mr. Valentino, it is so poignant that you are coming just before the Martin Luther King weekend. Um, and that this is an incredible opportunity to to showcase everything that Kim and I have talked about, everything that you are. Uh, Kim and I have worked to get sponsors and to broadcast this and make sure that anybody who wants to can take advantage. What would you say to to the sponsors, to uh, the students that you're going to speak to at the schools, to IU? What would you say to them um, just to get them out. It's, it's getting colder here in Indiana. I don't know how it is out there on the East Coast, but it's getting a little colder here and people may want to curl up and embrace a long weekend, but we want them out. And I would just be appreciative if you spoke to that. Of course. Thank you, Mr. Cole. Um, the best way that I can describe what I do and the dance voguing itself um, Voguing is an expression of self-appreciation. I I say that over and over again, and it's something accessible for everyone. I think given the situation of the times we're living in, you know, it's important for people to come together. Um, It's important for us to count our blessings, to to use these opportunities that they don't come very often. Um, I think everyone can benefit from this workshop and these workshops, these classes, and um, you don't have to be, a, you know, a professional dancer. The idea is to feel good, to get a little exercise, a little, a sense of empowerment, a sense of community, which was the reason why ballroom and voguing was created in the first place, was a sense of community and support. I think everyone can use a little love and support and community these days, um, besides the fact that I do 
an amazing class and we listen to amazing music and we dance our butts off and we do all those different things. There's a sense of, I had an amazing time, but I feel good about myself. And I think everyone can get something from my workshops. Is it cold? Absolutely. You know, but I think the warmth and the love that will be felt in the space will really be something that everyone can benefit from and will really enjoy. And they should really take advantage of this opportunity. It's again, I don't get to come out there as often. So please don't miss and pass up this opportunity and come check out the workshops and join us and be there and be present and have fun. Thank and you. I need to follow up. I need to follow up with either uh, Nicole or Kim. Can you tell our audience the when, where, what, and how much this experience may cost when the gentleman comes out this way? Absolutely. We're excited that on Saturday, the 15th at the uh, Indiana University African-American Dance Studio in the Neil Marshall Center, uh, we will be excited to welcome our sponsors, uh, the public, students. Um, there, There is going to be a small fee um, if you want to take, if you want to just come and sit uh, $10. If you'd like to participate in the workshop, $15. It's not too late to sponsor if anybody um, would like to do that. Um, and so I believe we said 10 and two. Is that right, Miss Kim? That's right. That's right. 10 and two. And it, it's just going to be a phenomenal experience. And I'm just excited to to watch, to participate, to there's no way you can be in Mr. Valentino's presence and not leave changed. I have experienced that for myself. I have taken this class and I'm telling you, if a 53 year old woman can get on the dance floor and do a little voguing uh, and walk out just with a confidence that you didn't have before the class began. Not that you had no confidence, but that you didn't have this kind of con- you will leave changed. I guarantee it. Do people call at the door or do they pre-register online? At the door. door. Okay. And we will be um, implementing safety protocols. You will want to come with masks and be prepared to social distance and um, demonstrate that you have not been exposed to the COVID-19 vaccine. I'm sorry, the COVID-19 virus, excuse me. Right, Wayne. So, Nicole, you kind of touched on uh, what you had to do uh, in order to bring Mr. Valentino here and some of the sponsors. I was hoping you would share more of that information, like uh, how you and Kim cornered me in Starbucks and refused to let me leave until <laughs> until we committed to making a donation. Why don't you just go ahead and share that with us briefly, please? Well, um, we, we held I, them I, up. Nicole, we <laughs> held them up. You like this. Okay, okay. I, that's fantastic. Yes, I'll do it. <laughs> well, first, I'll just say you never want to stand in the way of two Geminis on a mission. Um, and so, uh, Mr. Valentino has been incredibly generous. Uh, he will be giving back to the Bloomington community, but of course he has expenses to come out, um, that it will take to bring him here from New York. Uh, I am proud to say I am a sponsor. Um, and we are very, very grateful to a number of our sponsors. Um, I I'm afraid to leave anybody out, but I definitely want to recognize the Monroe County Black Democratic Caucus. I want to recognize Ruben Marte, Jim Sims, Jack Davis. Um, and so and I, I still have some people I'm coming after. If you have not given me that check, you promise me I will be circling back this week. Thank you very much. Um, and so. 
those people have helped us and those organizations have allowed us um, to bring Mr. Valentino here. Uh, we, he, I feel like he's an honorary Hoosier. And so uh, he's just coming home. He's coming home. This came out of um, my being upset when I thought he was coming here and there were no immediate plans to bring him here. I'm like, this has to change. This, he has to come. And, and I didn't rest until we got the meetings necessary to do this. And Ms. Kim was wonderful to connect us to the university. They are offering the space and there are students who will be volunteering to help us um, facilitate the collecting of money and making sure that everybody is there, is safe and uh, ready to dance and ready to have a, an amazing time. And I just could not be more excited. May I also ask something? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, we have a discussion part, question and answer. So if people have questions about, say, uh, Caesar, what you have did or what they did or anything about the voguing, is that fine? Then we have a time for that setup for Wednesday or something? I'm not sure. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, Caesar, I got to tell you, you, you couldn't have two better people advocating for you <laughs> uh, to get you here. Um, I have one last question before I turn it over to Clarence. During our intro, uh, we mentioned that you also uh, educate in the fundamentals of uh, runway etiquette and heels. You said Vogue was kind of uh, about posing, but what? A, how would you describe runway etiquette and heels? What kind of dancing is that? Um, I, what I think is foundation. So essentially, if I took you back to the 1940s or 1950s, protocol and etiquette was kind of mandatory. And women learn how to walk with books on their heads. They learn, people, you know, ladies and gentlemen both learn how to use utensils. Where do you place it? Which fork? Which plate? Part of what I teach people with the walking is literally that. It's posture, protocol, etiquette. I even have conversations with people about, let's say, for example, when you go to a job interview, if you walk into an office, there's a chair there and the person's sitting there, what do you do? Mm. You wait till you're asked to sit down. You don't use body language ever with your hands. You don't talk with your hands because this comes off as aggressive. So I teach people about eye contact, about posture, about how to enter a room, about not folding your arms in front of a teacher or anybody else. Um, so it's beyond the walking. It's really about body language, body positivity, standing upright, um, building confidence, um, without it having to be necessarily just, you have to walk like a model. Not everybody can walk like a model. You, some people just walk, just walk and walk back. But at least if you can walk upright, if you can sit upright when you're sitting at attention or at, a, or at an interview or whatever and stuff. So imagine now from that step, incorporating dance and movement into that posture, you find your center and, and your core. So it's, it's a couple of those elements. Um, and that's basically the, the best way I can describe the runway and posing elements. Um, there is no gender to this. Like I said before, this is not feminine or masculine because that's a question I hear a lot. Also, oh, well, I don't know how to act like a girl. Nobody asked you to. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I don't know how to walk in high heels. No one asked you to do that either. You know, it's, it's really about, one of the things I stress in my classes and in my workshops, I always say, and I always make the students repeat after me, take the class seriously because we are in an educational space and setting but don't take yourself too seriously. And that's where it gets a little difficult for some people because we're so caught up in our insecurities and our hangups. And I can't, and I believe that just like a movie flawless, can't lives on won't street. So it's really about changing, changing the direction, changing the attitude, 
being present and allowing yourself to enjoy the process and letting go of the control sometimes is important too. People think I paid $15 for a class. I can do what I want in class. You're in my class now. You do as I say. And I promise you, you'll thank me for it later. Not because I'm being mean, but allow me to teach you. You must allow yourself to be flexible. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's an important part of what you get from this. And then when you're able to see the result afterwards, it feels like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I did that. It's mm-hmm. almost like yoga and meditation. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad I allowed myself to go through those steps, mm-hmm. you know, because there's the, the, the reward at the end is feeling like, you know what? I can relax. I can, I can exhale. I can, I can just be. And that's an incredible thing to just be without any hangups or concerns. Just be. Simply be. Mm-hmm. Speaking, speaking of which, uh, that was my next question. Can you share with us your experience with the Simply Be commercial campaign in the UK and how well were you received over in the UK and share some of those experiences with us? The Simply Be campaign, one of the reasons I love that, um, that clothing line, um, they cater to um, plus size models and it's a plus size mm-hmm. line and they're based out of the UK. I went to a club one day and um, one of my friends stopped me and said, there's these people here that were scouting, looking for a model coach to shoot their campaign, their commercial, and they mentioned your name, but I didn't have your number. Give me your number or here's their number. And I don't know how it happened. It just happened so quickly. I think two days later, they had me on set coaching their models. So it was a documentary and three commercials that aired in the UK. Um, An incredible campaign to be a part of, again, because the mission statement for them is everyone's beautiful no matter what size, whatever. And And I was really Glad that I participated in that campaign. Did you see me briefly? You probably see me doing a couple of moves and maybe posing with the girls for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they were able to let loose and they got the the message of what I was trying to teach them and they were more relaxed, it, it, it really registered well on camera and it was very well received. And my friend Michelle Visage, Michelle Visage is my daughter, like my one of my protégés. And she was in the UK and she called me from the UK child i just saw your commercial here on tv you know little things like that is so exciting again you know i I don't i don't get starstruck when i meet famous people i don't think of myself as being famous but when you hit those moments of like people are seeing me my name is recognized my work is getting out there and people are seeing me all over the world it's kind of a big deal you know it's exciting mr valentino i have been in new york with you walking you are famous the people who walked <laughs> past us and talked to you, I looked around. I thought we were just anonymously walking in New York City. No, you're famous. And another thing you have that capture the people and get the people involved, you got this ability for people to trust you. Thank you. And once you trust you, they open up. It's, it's, it's no limit. It's, once that trust is inside, there is no limit. Because they, they trust in you, they're listening to you. They, I mean, the focus is all on you then, and that trust come in. And then you start seeing them. You know, I learned that through a dancer and one taking your class. Once I, 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 I left myself open and say, hey, I trust you, I'm going to do this, I started feeling the freedom. I started feeling me and who I was and what I needed to do and how I can, you know, get involved in what you're doing. But yes, you have that trust, that's it. Yeah, that's your beginning. And when you got that, like with the big women, you trust, they trusted you. You know, you told them they're wonderful, you're beautiful, how you are. And it's, they start believing that. And, and then it started just showing. And it's like, yeah, I am. I am. 
you know, and, and you have that with little kids too. You have that with everybody. So you, you have Thank that you. gift for that. Yeah. So I, I mean, say, go ahead, go ahead, sir. I want to say thank you, first of all, that Mama can even mention that. Um, I'm beyond grateful for those kind words. I think I'm always going to be rooting. I've always been this person. I've always been the one rooting for the underdog, the, mm -hmm. the underserved, the underrepresented. I've always, I just finished coming from Florida a few months ago from teaching. Uh, I was doing a residency there and they had 20 dancers and some of them were very heavy and, you know, not the typical dancer and, you know, the, the owner told me, well, you know, pick the ones that you want. And I was like, I want to use them all. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? I want to give each and every person in here right now the opportunity to go on that stage. And I don't want to, I also don't want to be the person to be like, okay, well, I just want this one and that one because of a typecast or because yeah. of the way they look yeah. or an aesthetic. No, no, no. I, I, I wanted to give everyone that platform, that opportunity to be in the show. And some of those kids were so excited and grateful that they were crying they were emotional that they were given the opportunity i think we need to we need to send a message to our youth and to dancers and to people in general that everyone is special regardless yeah. size whatever and i'm always yeah. going to advocate for those people yeah. um who probably wouldn't get the other opportunities mm -hmm. and i've always been that way um maybe it's because i've always kind of been the outcast and kind of the the underdog that I'm, you know, super empathetic and, and sensitive to that, but mm -hmm. it's something that I will always do. I will always say, give them a chance. Mm -hmm. Everyone deserves, just give them a chance. You know, everyone deserves a chance. And, and I want them to know that they can trust me, that I'm not looking at them funny, that I'm not going to judge them. And if I give them constructive criticism, it's, it's for their betterment and never to make them feel bad. You know this, Mama Kim. You know how I work and how I get I know, down. I know, I know. If I could chime in as we go into our last, probably our last question. I notice in America, there's a more of a trend now in, in commercials. Everything from showing interracial couples, the same-sex couples, to even in fashion now, Sephora and Ulta commercials, uh, where they embrace uh, women naturally. There's no body shaming. That used to be the call of the day back in the day. But I see that trend. And I don't know if that first started in the UK or if America is leading the way in that. And then as a sort of, as you responded to that, a final question is, we didn't touch that much upon your fashion design uh, exploits. I understand that uh, that you have creations that you, you've designed out there. And if you could touch yeah. on that as well. So I'll turn it over to you. Of course. Um, I have been doing costume design and beadwork for probably the past 20 something years. The very first costume I made, I was probably 11 and a half years old. And it was a Peter Pan costume that I wore to a, a neighborhood Halloween party. So I've always had a knack for costuming and draping and make it. Yes. And I made that hat for Mama Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. She is, she is uh, uh, styling and profiling a hat of creation. <laughs> yes. Come on. Come on, model. Uh, I've been very blessed. A lot of the stuff that I made was stuff that I would make for myself as a performer. I would beat for myself costumes for shows, Bollywood, Thailand, um, futuristic, the costumes that the dance company wore for the piece I choreographed for them. I donated all those costumes and they're all light up costumes. Like literally like the costumes yes. have a battery pack that they light up on stage and stuff. Um, my costumes appeared in the windows, holiday windows for Bloomingdale's. Um, for the Christmas holiday windows, two years in a row, we won the awards for that. Um, so between Mark Jacobs is wearing one of my hats, you know, like, so 
I'm super blessed that I've I've had the opportunity, you know, to have celebrities wearing my stuff, friends wearing my stuff. Um, I just finished doing an evening gown for a competition that literally had 150,000 beads on it. So again, it's something that I find incredibly therapeutic um, beyond the creative. It's soothing to beadwork. Some people like knitting. Some people like painting. I like beadwork. And it's incredibly soothing for me and stuff. And it's been in demand and people buy my stuff. And, you know, you can find my stuff on my website. You can find it on Etsy. And it's been a great, you know, way of making some extra money, but also visibility. People have really wanted them and want them shipped places and stuff. So look for more of that stuff definitely coming up. A lot of the stuff I wore in the movie, by the way, the movie I shot in the Philippines, they use a lot of my wardrobe. They said, we're going to pay you to use your wardrobe. They use my costumes which I was completely blown away. I was like, but you have a stylist. They're like, yeah, I know, but we want you to use your stuff. We love your costumes and we're going to pay you for them. I was like, wow. Same with Best Walk. Best Walk also paid me for my costumes as well. When I did the show for Best Walk, they paid me to wear my own clothing. Interesting. And so Mm -hmm. to uh, close it out in the last couple of minutes here, Nicole and Kim and I were wondering if you could just take a minute and tell Clarence he's beautiful. (laughs) Clarence, you're beautiful. beautiful. You know, I, I know I have a face for radio, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but, should, um, I touch, should I touch on Alvin Ailey at all? Yes, yes. And the, yes, we want to devote the final few minutes to you, uh, because what have we not talked about that you feel the audience should learn about? And, and please go forth with that. Um, again, I've been teaching at Alvin Ailey now for eight years. Um, the first Vogue class in its history. Um, it's, it's considered an official, you know, art form there. I teach with extension, but my, my first experience at Alvin Ailey was I worked in wardrobe. Coincidence. Mm -hmm. I worked in wardrobe and I dressed the kids and the dancers for the shows. And I did bead work and ironing and all the not fun stuff in the basement of getting shows ready. And at the time I was teaching at a place called Perry Dance Capizio Center in the East Village. And one of the directors of the building of Alvin Ailey saw my profile on the internet and was like, you're a dance instructor? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, why are you here like doing clothes and in the basement? And I was like, it's a job. And they were like, well, we'd love to get you to teach a workshop one day. And, you know, maybe we can get you teaching here. Well, it started off as a guest spot for one month, extended to another month. December came around, they were like, you just stay here permanently to the point where I never went back to wardrobe again, because the wardrobe director told me I would be a little insulted to have you in the basement ironing clothes and stitching pants when you're a dance instructor now here. So fly, you know, fly high, do your thing, turn it out, you know, and, and best of luck to you. But you're now in a different space where I wouldn't feel right having you in the basement. Ailey's been incredible for me. They've allowed me to do shows, performances. I put drag queens on that stage. Um, <laughs> I put drag queens on that stage. I oh, put, you know, costumes with lights. I've put all these crazy performances, men in high heel shoes. So as conservative as they are, they've been super generous and kind of allowed me to just kind of do my thing and, and have embraced the change of the times. And they've been super instrumental in, in my career as well. So I'm very grateful to them as well for that. Um, like I said, I teach there. I teach at Broadway Dance Center. I teach at Martha Graham, um, a bunch of private classes, corporate stuff, and, and um, a lot of mentorship work is what I'm doing right now. 
Well, time has escaped us, and we want to thank renowned performer and Vogue pioneer, teacher, and promoter, Cesar Valentino, and along with Kim Morris-Newson, former associate director for the IU Office of Community and School Partnerships, and I guess lifelong dancer in the Afri- African-American Arts Ensemble, Arts, I'm sorry, Dance Company, Tongue Twister. Legendary um, African-American Dance Company. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, and also, Nicole Brown, Monroe County Clerk, um, for joining us to discuss Mr. Valentino's artistic talents and his upcoming visit to IU during uh, this month of January. Now, Saturday, January the 15th from 10 a.m. At 10 a.m. and at 2 p.m., there will be special workshops and an opportunity for the uh, listening community to take part in this. There is a fee associated to defray the cost of both getting them here and other uh, incidentals associated with this travel and with this production, it's $10, and you can pay at the door. So we want to thank you, sir, for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been incredible. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have any ideas for this program, we would like to hear what they are. Please send your emails to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, bringiton at wfhb.org. Also, if you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send that info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight or our guests, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring It On's executive producer is Clarence Boone, assistant producer is yours truly, show consultant and news department director is Cade Young. Our program engineer is Chantal LaFontant. The original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I am William Hosea. And I'm Clarence Boone. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.